this is an ICGC Cornerstone podcast. At Cornerstone, we believe in the power of the Word of God to transform lives and empower people to influence their generation. And now, time for the message. The title of my exhortation this morning is Remember What the Lord Has Done. Remember what the Lord has done. Remember what the Lord has done. God has done a lot for us. Um, and many times it is very easy to forget what he has done. Sometimes when you talk to Christians and they are going through challenges and they are going through difficulties, sometimes believers, we talk as if God has done nothing. And sometimes when there's something we're expecting God to do for us and we don't get it, just that one thing, you are praying that God will give you a job and the job has delayed. And because the job has delayed, God is not good. Can you imagine it? You sum the entire God as not being good because you didn't get a job. Or you sum the entire God as not being faithful because you didn't get this thing you were praying for. This almighty God who created the heavens and the earth has stopped being faithful because you didn't get a car. And so it is very easy for us to dismiss God and what he has done and what he continues to do for us. And, 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 but we don't want to be that kind of Christian. We want to remember what the Lord has done. Amen? When we talk about that word, remember, remember, remember. That word remember means to recall. It means to call to mind. It means to put name to, to put name to something. That if God, if, if something happens to your life, you put name to it. Put name to it. You call it by something. To recollect, to think of. So when we talk about remembering, it is a deliberate and an intentional effort. That requires somebody to think through something and say that I am remembering something. I am remembering it. Remembering it. What God has done for us. I remember just as Pian and I are about to celebrate our ninth anniversary uh, uh, on Monday, uh, I was talking to her. And as I was talking to her, uh, I was... Just trying to remember what she has done for me. I, I had to sit down and say, I want to remember every single thing. And as I began to put them down on my phone, on my notes, began to type them down, they were, I put them overhand, and I kept typing things. Every little thing. I said, wow, this woman has been so good to me. This woman has been so good. Because I, when I sat down to, to catalog everything, I began to say that, wow, all that I thought she did for me, she, it was actually more than it. When we sit down to remember what God has done for us, it is to catalog his blessings in our lives. When you begin to write them down, you realize that even the thing that you didn't get, God has been more than faithful to you. And, and so it's very important as Christians that we, shouldn't, we, we must not be short-sighted. We must not be short-sighted of what God has done for us. And there's a story that we see with um, Deacon Kweku mentioned in Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. 
this story talks about two responses. The proper and the improper responses are illustrated in this story of Jesus cleansing the ten lepers. Luke 17, verse 11 to 19. It says, now it happened. As he, went through Jeru- as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priest." And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Very important word. We'll look at that shortly. Verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Several things I want you to realize from this particular passage. Number one, you see the condition. The Bible says they met him, ten men who were lepers. And the Bible says they stood far off. Now, many times as Christians, when we read the Bible, when you read this story, you read it too quickly. But I want us to slow the tape down quickly. Let's go to rush the story. I want you to picture this. We start with 10 men who have the worst disease of their day. The physical implication of their disease is so horrendous. Leprosy attacks the entire body. It leaves you with sores. It leaves you with missing fingers. It leaves you with missing toes, missing limbs. In many cases, the initial pain of leprosy, gives way to something which is much more terrible, where you lose your nerve endings. You can't even feel anything. You lose sensations in your nerves. And it leads to even you damaging many more parts of your body. The disease called leprosy can run its course for over about 30 years. And it's one of the most horrible diseases ever. And, and we can, it is even difficult for us to imagine that somebody... 2,000 years ago can have such a disease without even the kind of medical intervention we have today. Can be dealing with leprosy where there are no hospitals like we have today. No medical personnel with the knowledge that they have like we have today. It's one of the most grotesque disease that you can ever imagine somebody ever happening. It starts with loud cries. I mean, you, you find these lepers always crying loudly. That disturbs what we hear. Then you even have the smell of rotten flesh that is decaying over time. The emotional pain of a leper is even worse than the physical pain of a leper. The leper, first of all, must be removed from their family when you have leprosy. You have to be removed from your community where you stay. There can be no contact with your children or even your grandchildren. None. You are removed immediately. You have leprosy. This person, these 10 men, their wives have been removed from them. You are not even allowed to kiss them and say goodbye because you are afraid you will infect them because now you have leprosy. 
Lepers will tend to roam together. They move together, looking for food, begging for assistance. From a great distance, they are always yelling and yelling and shouting, and they are shouting for two reasons. They are shouting, first of all, to tell you that go back, I have leprosy. Number two, they are shouting to tell you that please help me with something. Give me something to eat. A very horrible disease. Jesus describes the conditions of this man. He tells that these guys are ten, and each of them have leprosy. But not only do we see the condition, we see the call. These guys who have leprosy were shouting, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. They have a condition. They don't know what to do with their condition. The solution to what they have is that they must be removed from their family, removed from everyone they know, and isolated in their own community for 30 years or more. 30 years or more. And they see Jesus, who is the epitome of God's mercy, who is the expression of God's love and God's goodness, and they come to him and they shout, Jesus, have mercy on us. They call on Jesus. And then Jesus, number three, gives them a command. He says, go, show yourselves to the priest. Now, in the days of Jesus, if you are a leper, and, and you, you thought that your leprosy has gone away, what you normally do will, will be that you will go to the priest and show yourself. The priest in the days of Jesus were not just only performing religious function, they were also medical personnel as well. They had medical training. And so the, the priest will examine you, and after examination, will declare that, okay, the leprosy that you said has gone away has actually been removed from your life. Has been removed from your life. And once the priest says, you are okay, you are okay, and then now you can go back into to your family and connect to your family again and, and as well. And, and, and so this happens to these guys. They have these disease. They, are, they encounter Jesus. Jesus tells them that go to the priest. Go to the priest. And so on the, as, as they are going, the healing takes place. The healing takes place. But it is interesting that although 10 people get healed, it is only one of them who sees the connection to Jesus, which leads me to, to, to my next point, the connection to Jesus. The Bible says that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. Ten of them were healed. Only one returned with a loud voice and glorified God. Only one was willing to connect Jesus to the healing that had taken place. Jesus had healed all ten lepers. But only one of them thought it wise and prudent to come back and thank God. It is possible to receive God's great gift with an ungrateful spirit. It is possible. That God can bless you and you'll be ungrateful. It is possible. That God can show his goodness and his favor and his mercy on your life and you can still be ungrateful. It is possible. It is possible to have the blessing of God on your life and be ungrateful. And one of the reasons why we, we may have it and be ungrateful is because we don't have what other people have. And so sometimes we look at what we have. We don't pay attention to it. We are only thinking of what somebody else has. And once your eyes is on what somebody else has, you will never see what you have. And when you don't see what you have, you will never be grateful to God. 
You will never be grateful. It is possible to receive God's gracious gifts with an ungrateful spirit. And especially in, in this country where people complain a lot, it is very easy to see no reason why you should thank God for what he has done for you. In a society where people always complain and lambast for everything, it is very easy to see no reason why you should thank God and why you should be grateful to God. I remember this, the, the, the young man in the, in the news recently that was killed, but was pushed by the armed robbers on the um, UPSA road and died was, was my neighbor when I was in secondary school. I did not know that my mother drew my attention to it. That it was a young boy that I was actually playing a lot. I don't even remember his face. And she called his parents. And you should see, you should see pain. You should see pain being poured out. It is very easy to be alive. Like now I was saying with a testimony. It is very easy to never see the reason why life is important. It's like, it's like, it's like when you, you know, sometimes you, know, you fall sick. I've been that you fall sick, right? And then let's say, and it's very difficult to swallow. That's why you be thanking God for your throat. You say, ah, look at this person, they can swallow. Yeah. Charlie, you are blessed though. But you have been swallowing all these years. <laughs> Didn't did you know you were blessed? But you say, oh, oh God, oh, if I could only swallow. If I could, I was watching this Netflix documentary about this crazy doctor who was using pipes in people's throat and became a problem. I mean, I, what I was watching, I said, God, I can swallow. I said, I said God, I thank you. I said, PN, let's thank God, let's thank God for, <laughs> for, for all that he has done for us. It is very easy. And that is what these 10 guys saw. And Jesus shows us why these 10 are ungrateful. And I'll come to that very shortly. Very shortly. So this guy is able to connect both of them. Only the thankful person understood that his faith played a role in his healing. And only grateful Christians can grow in understanding God's graciousness. God does not demand that we thank him. No. But he is pleased when we thank him. He doesn't demand that we thank him. But he is pleased when we do so. And you see the concern. Not only do you see the connection, but you see the concern. Jesus says, were there not ten who were cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not found any to give glory to God except this foreigner? Why does Jesus make this expression and connect it to the foreigner? Jesus does this because it is assumed not in the scriptures, but it is implied, if you read the text very carefully, that when Jesus singles out this guy and calls him a Samaritan, that the rest were Jews. It is implied that for Jesus to call him, describe him as a Samaritan and, 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 and a foreigner signified that the rest were most likely Jews. And, and that the Jews will always expect that God would, do, would, would bless them. They, they took the blessing for granted. They, they, they thought it was casual. that This guy is a healer. He should just heal. But this guy is a Samaritan. He doesn't know that. He doesn't understand all these. All he knows is that somebody told him to go to the, to the priest. He went and he was healed. And Jesus expresses the concern. He doesn't demand that we thank him. But he's pleased. He says, where are the, where are the rest? 
Where are the rest? I thought these guys were all healed. So where are the rest? Do you just take what God does for you for granted? Do you assume that it should all just work out for you? Do you think that the miracle you experienced is nothing? And Jesus concludes. And he said, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. That talks about completeness. Completeness. Let me give you a few principles before we come to the Lord with thanksgiving. A few principles that will help you. Number one, it is important that we are thankful even if we are in difficult circumstances. It is important that we are thankful even if we are in difficult circumstances. Jesus says to the lepers, go and show yourself to the priest. They look at these guys are in difficult circumstances. The horrendous disease that they are going through. It's crazy. It's a nightmare that they are faced with. But Jesus says, go and thank. Go and show yourself to the priest. You cannot wait until the problems are over to start walking in faith. To start thanking God. You cannot wait until the problems are over. Sometimes when people think about thanksgiving, they think only about what God has done. But your posture and your attitude towards, what God, towards thanksgiving must not just be what God has done, but, what, but even in the problem you are thanking God. And I was going through a very difficult time recently. And he said, Pastor, you go through a difficult time. I go through more than a difficult time. <laughs> and may you not go through what I go through. And I go through a very difficult time because I, I was looking for something, applied for something, hoping to get that thing. Very difficult. And I remember so well that as I was, I was hoping to get the thing, that it didn't go through. And when it didn't go through, I was, I was disappointed when I got the news. And after that, after that disappointment, I remember I began to thank God. I began to thank God. In the pain, I began to thank God. I began to thank God. I began to honor him. I began to worship. And, and, and it was very difficult. It was very painful for me. And, and, and I began to tell myself, God, you are still my God, even if I don't get this thing. You are still my God, even if, I, even if this thing doesn't work out for me. You are still, I, I will still be faithful to you. I will still serve you all the days of my life. I will still honor. I began to, and as I was making that statement in the midst of the pain, it was difficult. But I said, God, I am committed to you. You have done so much for me. Not getting this particular thing will not define me, will not, will, not, will, not, will not stop me from praising you. I will still praise you. You are still my God. It was a very difficult time. Very difficult. And there was no way I would get this thing back. It's gone. Because the, I, I've never heard of anybody who got it back. Never. Began to thank God. I said, God, I still love you. And the devil will be pumping in my head, but look at you, you didn't get it. Look at you, the pain. Look at this. If God loves you, you should get it. If God is a good God, you should get it. If God is faithful, you should get it. And, I said, but I, and on my bed, waves of doubt, waves of accusation, trying to flood myself. I said, God, I will still worship you. I'll put on some music and I said, God, I will praise you. I will bless you. It was painful, but I will still honor you. You are still my God. 
All things will work together for my good. I kept confessing the scripture. I kept confessing the scripture. I kept confessing and the waves and I, I, I kept thanking God. And I remember so well. I remember so well. That's what, that I came to church was last week Sunday. And I remember before I came to preach, I sat in the office and I said, devil, this ends today. I'm not thinking about this. I'm not worrying about this. I'm not going to glorify the problem. This is the last time I think about it. Came out. I remember we had praise and worship. Just thank God. On Tuesday, I was called that everything has been reversed. Everything has been reversed. Whether it was reversed or not reversed, God is still God. God is bigger than my answered prayer. God is bigger than my request. It is important, my friends. It is important that we are thankful even if we are in difficult circumstances. Thanksgiving is not just for the good times. It is for all times. And that must be our posture. Number two, recognize that God, you must recognize God as the source of all that you have. All that we have, it is God who gave it to us. The life you have, the strength you have, the wisdom you have. When we're being led to pray, we're taught that we, are, we worked hard, but it's the grace of God. It is the grace of God that brought us this far. You must recognize God as the source of all that you have. All that you have. Why, were this, why was this guy so excited to come back to Jesus? He understood that Jesus is the one who, made, who healed him. No matter what you do, take time to be thankful of everything. God is the source of all that I have. I may not be where I want to be, but I thank God I'm not where I used to be. I've moved an inch. I've moved a step. And when you take time to catalog what God has done for you, you recognize that you've done something. That God has been great for you. You may not have everything you were looking for, but God has been good. Who can testify that God has been good? Yeah. God has been good. God has been faithful. And when we do that, we return all the praise and thanksgiving back to God. One leper, after recognizing the healing, says, I'm coming back to you, Jesus. And I'm giving all the praise. I'm giving all the glory to you. I'm giving all the praise to you. The others moved on. But one was thankful. And number four, we see that a lifestyle of thankfulness is a lifestyle of wellness. The Bible says that this, Jesus tells him, go, your faith has made you whole. That means that the rest, although they got healing in one part of their life, still lack healing in other parts of their lives. But the Bible says that when this guy came and he thanked God for even the one that God did, God said that your faith has made you whole. That means that you are leaving me not with other things not working in your life. Maybe it was only leprosy that God healed in somebody else's life. But for you, every other thing has been taken care of. A lifestyle of thanksgiving is a lifestyle of wellness. When we come to God and we thank him, we may not have everything, but God knows what we need. And when he sees our attitude of gratitude, he blesses us beyond our means. He blesses us beyond even what we ask for. He blesses us even beyond what we need. Or even what we don't think we need, God takes care of it for you. Because he has seen your attitude. 
It is called an attitude and a lifestyle of gratitude. Thank you for listening to the message. God bless you.